This is NAGP Resurrection, the show where we talk about the gaming news for the week. Then we discuss a particular topic on what game we obsessed over the most. And then we do some game recommendations, some final thoughts. And yeah, that's about it. Wait, was it was it uh, games we obsessed about the most or the first game we ever obsessed about? The first game we ever obsessed about the most. Well, we might move know, into the ones... Let's just leave it loose. Yeah, let's All, right. All right. Let's, All right. Yeah. Let's do it, man. Loose like a dirty girl. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Keep it loose. <laughs> All right. Boy. Yeah. Poor boy. Let's be fair. Yes. We're in between. Yes. Y'all see that? All things in between. Mm, I kind of like yeah. where this is going. I'm your host, Joseph Rochette. And uh, with me, I have Lionel. I love you. Mm, I love you, too. And I have Mike. Spider-Man co-creator Stan Lee here. All right. All right. Okay. Good start. All right. So first story of the night or morning or whenever you're listening to this is fans remake original Metal Gear Solid in HD using the Unreal game engine. And it's a group of of fans. Uh, We've seen many of these in the past where people will will just take the games they love the most and they'll kind of basically just try and redo it. I know there was a... A couple years back, there was someone in The Sims. They recreated the first town in Pokemon. So this is nothing that's really new. But it's really cool to see that someone or a team of people trying to see in the article here. Uh, Yeah, Metal Gear fan Aram Hernandez. Yeah, he's leading the efforts to recreate the entire original 1998 Metal Gear Solid for the PC. So uh, what did you guys think about this? Uh, Mike, how about you first? Did Did you like where he's going with it? Uh, it looks fine. I mean, mm. the environments are pretty. Snake looks weird. Mm-hmm. It looks like fucking Stallone or something. Uh, it's it's kind of like why? I mean, they're gonna remake the whole thing. It's like they uh, another team of people tried to do that with the first Metal Gear, mm. and Konami shut it down hardcore last year. Mm. Uh, so I miss, this is it's only a matter of time before this gets shut down. Um, it's it's funny because I saw Konami Europe tweeted about this. I think, <laughs> but Konami Europe is definitely they're at the whims of Konami Japan. So. <laughs> uh, Lionel, how about you? I mean, I mean, considering what Konami's been up to lately, do you think they're going to shut this down like almost immediately? I and mean, nothing's been said yet. But what do you think? Let me just say, you set me up for failure by having the Metal Gear head go before me. <laughs> but uh, first off, Snake looks like in that trailer, but um, everything else looked really good. In regards to whether or not it's going to get shut down, I don't understand why, other than bland copyright blah de blah. I can't see it being a threat to anything. It's just Konami, man. Well, it's a threat <laughs> if they want to, which at this point it's probably pretty likely they own the the Metal Gear license and without Kojima. Um, I could definitely see them doing something uninspired like making a remake of a game that was already remade um, and selling it again. So if there's yeah. already one out there, then they'd probably be pretty mad. Um or, you know, if they just want to make Metal Gear Pachinko <laughs> machines, they probably... Which they st- seem to love doing. Which <laughs> they probably they probably still would not like to have this around because they didn't like having that last one around. So, well, we'll see where it goes. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Well, Castlevania only lives on as Pachinko. 
Thanks a lot, Konami. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm sure this this guy and, the, and his team probably has, they're not going to be selling this or anything like that. It's probably just going to be another fan. Just kind of stick it out there for free and see what people think. And hopefully he gets far with it. I mean, I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of times with these fan projects, you'll see that they'll get really pumped, really excited for it. You've seen a lot of people trying to recreate Sonic and some other games. And what ends up happening is that the games in the beginning get a lot of hype and excitement and then kind of things start to go silent after a couple of months. And then a year later, they announce that they're closing the project down. So mm-hmm. I, who knows? We'll get to see it. I guess just time will tell. It's like these first few articles are pretty much a lot of fan-made games, which I, I love. I love this stuff. This is great. The second one is a fan-made Half-Life sequel. It's going to actually be hitting Steam on February 11th, and it's called Prospect. And it's actually the guy who made it. Let um, if I can get his, his name. Uh, Richard Seabrook. Uh, he actually was making this game as kind of a way to uh to get hired by valve so it was kind of a way he wanted to show off to see you know his story ideas for it and stuff like that and i i guess valve actually eventually gave they gave their blessing to him to actually get it out there on steam and and make it a real thing so this is backed by them and it's actually it's it's a whole new side story for uh for the game so yeah that's pretty cool complete opposite of the last story of what we expect mm-hmm. to happen, <laughs> right? Uh, and what has happened before already, but yeah, Valve does. Uh, Valve is they're they're the gaming industry's darlings. Mm. Everybody loves them. I mean, not everybody mm-hmm. loves them. Obviously, they're so giant that a lot of people probably have problems with them. I'm sure there's some criticisms, but they. Uh, they do good, and they have an interesting working environment too. Yeah, uh, you can read the. They have like an orientation pamphlet that was floating around online. It's, it's pretty interesting, but they're a pretty open company, um, and they they just seem like the type of people that would see something like this and be really stoked that was happening. Yeah, which is great because then you get to see their their games the unit like the, the universe expand you get to see different takes on the games and and a lot of the times what they might do is they might maybe actually hire the people and kind of expand on their ideas so it's just i i love that's one of the things I, I truly love about valve because they are so open they're so willing to just kind of just take chances and kind of go places with their brands that usually most companies wouldn't go so that's really cool uh, so this next one, The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, redone in the Unreal Engine. And it looks... Mm-hmm. Link looks a little looks a little weird in the face. He uh, looks cute. <laughs> uh, looks cute little baby. He's got pudgy little he's baby He's so cheeks. moe. He's a, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it's pretty adorable. I think this is just like a tech demo, you know? Right, yeah. Probably like a student portfolio thing, but... I don't know. It's interesting to see this type of thing happen, mm. and because uh, our, our society is changing, and our whole views on on ownership of art and copyright—or well, not necessarily copyright, but how we view things, like being passed around—and like uh, all these things are iconic, and they're just becoming like like memes. People take them and they put their own spin on them, and they put them out there again it's it's kind of getting to a point where it's like it's like star wars it it got to a point where it was this huge thing it's part of almost global society now that star wars is a thing 
but one man owned it and he and he had his vision and everyone hated it and someone else you know took it and and said well what does everyone want and they gave it to them mm-hmm. so and that, that all happened within the corporate structure things were moved around legally but it, it's also like where we see these underground things of like there's a demand people however small or however big somebody wants a metal gear remake uh, let's do it you know yeah the only thing i wish that disney didn't do is that i wish they didn't lock out not lock out but they basically chose to discontinue all expanded universe stuff is that correct just did they mm-hmm. No, they just, they just, I mean, I'm kind of glad that they did that because they, they, it frees up the filmmakers now to not be bogged down by all this weird, excessive canon, mm. you know, because I mean, it, they would have to basically adapt a book if they didn't uh, do that, you know, because, because people, nobody was expecting episode seven, eight, and nine to come. So people wrote books and then they did this whole expanded universe. But so now they, they're, I, have to, I think they changed the name. Mm. So it's not canon with all of the films in like the select few shows. I see. Mm. Okay. So they're not just throwing it away. They're just saying it's now something else. It's not a part of the official Now this line. is an alternate universe. Yeah. Okay. That's a good way to do it. Uh, but yeah, back to, um, just like all these fan, these fan made games. And yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I think this is great for just the industry and just gaming culture in general. Cause it's just, yeah. it's, it allows for people to just give their own takes on stuff. And then we yeah. get to see games from all these different angles. Yeah. Just, that's, that's what I was trying to say. It's, it's our culture is evolving. All right. So this next one is a uh, rise of the Tomb Raider director departs to infinity ward. Uh, so he left reading the article simply because his i guess it was family related things he just had to move so that's why he ended up just going to uh to infinity ward i don't think it was because of any particular drama or anything like that but it's when you have all these different game developers like moving around to all these different companies you'll start seeing like influences from from one particular game in in another and then you can see all mixed up and what's a what's a really good example of that like uh like what some of the people from retro studio the people who did like metroid and a bunch of other games some of them went to 343 industries and you could tell in some of their in some of their influences in some of the halo games that like uh, that look kind of like metroid prime and how they were working a little bit and how they were doing certain things i, I can't remember can't pinpoint certain points but it's just it's just, anyway it's just i'm basically what i'm just getting to is that i just find it really interesting they when you these people move around you get to see stuff that they've done in other games kind of bleed into the games that they're currently working on which makes things a little bit more interesting yeah that's weird i remember ryan payton did that remember he left because i still wonder because he was like creative director or something at uh was it 343 or bungie i think it was 343 and uh he, he had like a whole vision for halo 4 and i think he he left and they scrapped the whole like what he wanted to do Ugh, well, that sucks. <laughs> but still, though, well, hopefully they use. Well, you said they scrapped all of it, so they're not using any of it. Uh, well, screw them. Yeah. Either way, it's still nice when it happens because then you get to see all these different 
interesting changes. Yeah, and it's also you know mm-hmm. they move and they get new opportunities to do different franchises. Yeah, it's kind of like you know yeah, everyone was excited to see Kojima do like Silent Hills, but it's like oh yeah, yeah, uh, those are within the same company. But even you know um, like Amy Hennig, it's it's kind of it's kind of a bummer that she's uh, she left. Naughty Dog, but at the same time, not really, because you know she kind of set it off and like set the standard, and that team's really good, and they've kept those standards. Um, but now she's you know she's at EA, which has the Star Wars license. Hmm. Uh, she's working on now, which is probably a dream come true for her. But also like for us, it's like we get an Amy Hennig Star Wars game now. That's so cool. Yeah. So oh, man, so, see what that is. Yeah. I mean, she's incredibly talented, so I, I'm super pumped to see what she does for that. Yeah. Uh, cool. So the, the next uh, story here is Elder Scrolls Six was given a release date, but mm. the it's and they also told what it's going to be about. It's essentially going to be a continuation. Well, maybe not a continuation. It's going to take place in the world of Skyrim. So. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Skyrim a- Two Electric Boogaloo. Pretty much, yeah. pretty much. If they call it that, I'll 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 accept this. But <laughs> so, but one thing that they were very clear on the vice president of uh, PR and marketing at Bethesda, he he said that they are absolutely not going to start on Elder Scrolls Six until all the DLC and everything for Fallout Four is completely wrapped up and good to go. They don't. They're not. Everyone. Oh, they, they said no one is on the Skyrim team right now. Uh, they're all doing Fallout, and that's not going to change for probably at least, I would imagine, well into the year. So, which makes sense. I mean, that's like their big game right now. It probably wouldn't be smart mm-hmm. to start on it. But with that said, they're, they're also setting the date for Elder Scrolls Six is by 2017. So, mm-hmm. I think that I mean, usually those Elder Scrolls games take a long time to make because those worlds are massive and and so on. So, are you sure that's what it said? Yeah. It says right there. It says we should expect to see news and updates about Elder Scrolls Six by 2017. Okay, never mind then. That's by seven 2017. Yeah, yeah. News, okay. and, news and updates. Yeah, that's. I think I saw in the article it said more like 2019 or 2020. Yeah, that seems more um, reasonable. Think, yeah, just I, stop I think, thinking about it. <laughs> I think it said. Uh, I think the article was speculating a little bit that you know they kind of run on a four-year cycle. Yeah, but true. um. It's interesting that this. I was surprised to see this because after the the kind of stunt they pulled with Fallout Four, um, saying you know it's coming, mm. and not only that, we have an, a mobile app tie-in ready now, and it's coming in like in four months. Get ready. <laughs> um, I'm surprised that they're big. I mean, obviously. It's it would it was coming, but it's it's surprising to see that they didn't do the same thing again. Mm. I, I don't know. Yeah, I was actually thinking, or at least hoping that it might have taken place in space or something. I don't know. why I kept thinking that maybe that was too far I off. Just want them to like explore some other areas and like not to sound like. <laughs> racially motivated but it was like oh great more like bland anglo characters and i'm not even just talking about like 
you know, there are these like big Viking people here, and then Tamriel. I think it's like more Imperials and Britons, and mm-hmm. like, what about? I mean, never mind. Everyone's probably thinking, oh yeah, he just wants to go to Red Guard country. Okay, let's step away from that. <laughs> 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 what, about, what about the Khajiit? What about the Argonian? What about that world? A world where it's not predominantly humans. Mm. Let's be real. The Argonians are kind of like the Gungans of of Tambriel. <laughs> yeah. That's really fun. I mean... Fucking dragon people? That'd be fun. That'd be awesome. I thought they were snake lizard people. people. Still. Lizard man. Interesting. <laughs> 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 it will transform you. Uh, but yeah, no, it is like... You're right, though. Like, it's super, like, we made our Nordic fantasy game, and there are black people <laughs> that exist. Just, and, just randomly in there. But we're not going to focus on them. Let's just keep talking about these white people. Uh, it's, uh, I, I mean, you, you can make the argument that it's, you can, you know, you can create whoever you want, and I do. But, yeah. uh but still, like, especially in Skyrim, I got the sense, like, oh, okay, I'm going to hang out with all these Vikings and shit. But mm. and I, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But I, I'd like to see some different shit. Yeah, that's all. That's all we're saying is, you know, it's there's only so many times you can tell the same fucking tale. Like, I like I don't know anything about the Red Guards. Tell me some interesting shit about the Red Guards or about you know the the fucking cat people. <laughs> yeah, like. Like you talk to some in Skyrim and they talk about like how they miss their home. It's this like crazy desert with crazy shit going on. I'm like, yeah, I'd like to see some of that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean they haven't told what the story is or any aspect of that, but I'm I'm totally with you guys. It would be great to I mean Skyrim's a big it was was it a continent or whatever. It's I mean there's a there's a lot going on in that particular world. Mm-hmm. So there's they could take it from any different race or anything there's so much there that they could that they could to use for this particular game but we really won't know them for a total i mean i mean hell at this point like elves let's go to one of the (laughs) elf based countries yeah the wood elves (laughs) i'm crazy ass wood elves or the giants just be play a giant they're so fucked up (laughs) play some giants or anything i mean there's there's a lot there I mean, I I played as a werewolf like ninety percent of the time, so I don't know. That was kind of cool. Yeah. I made a uh, uh, a snake guy <laughs> time like yeah, and I named him and I made him look like Christian Bale a little bit. I tried. <laughs> uh, I, I called him Patrick Snakeman. <laughs> nice, classy. Yeah. Ran around with an axe, chopping people up, but mostly he just stole cheese wheels because he kept getting caught. <laughs> Did you like sneak up behind him, and as you were sneaking up, you were you start talking about music <laughs> before yeah. the axe? Did mm. you like Huey Lewis in the news? Mm. Yeah. Uh. <sighs> they also kind of announced this a little way well, too early. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I mean, I would. It's like, it's like when they did Mass Effect Andromeda, they announced that they were working on the concept art. Mm. 
Whoopee. <laughs> Look and at us. A, we're doing sketches. They had a video, too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Look at this guy. Look at this guy. He's drawing on paper. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so I mean, cool. I mean, it makes sense. They're trying to build, to get people excited for it, but there's usually that can backfire if you do it <laughs> way too early. Yeah. I mean, too early. At the end of the day, it, I don't think this was really an announcement. It feels like somebody reached out and mm-hmm. it was like, and he was like, oh, yeah, we're working on it. And it's not something that anybody, you know, who follows the industry would just, would not just immediately assume. Yeah, because, I mean, this besides this one article, I wasn't seeing this everywhere. If it was a big thing, a huge announcement, it probably would have been on all of the, the big yeah. gaming sites. So you're right. It was probably just him. But- but the thing is, the thing that is surprising is that he got sort of specific with it. And he was mm. like, oh, yeah, it's going to be more Skyrim. I mean, we're on next-gen consoles. Why not just do the whole Tamriel and Skyrim? Like, have it connect or something? Yeah, that would be good. I just hope that when they do release this game, that whatever engine they decide to use this time, that it's not anywhere near as buggy as their previous games. But Yeah, yeah we'll they're, they're, always, they're always shit. They always run like shit. Total dog fucking shit. <laughs> Fuck you, Bethesda. You make fucking shit quality games. But they're uh, but they're addictive. But, but they're I mean, huge. I mean, um, they make- if I can put in a request with you, Bethesda, like, can you do more of what you did with Oblivion and Skyrim? Like, what I liked about Oblivion is you could just kind of stumble in to adventures, like just sleeping at the right end created something. It was kind of like playing that old Hercules show where he just kind of wandered from place to place and shit would happen. Yeah. I missed that in Skyrim. I hear that from a lot of people that they like Oblivion more than Skyrim. Yeah, I never got attached to Skyrim. I mostly would just fuck around. Uh, Patrick Snakeman. (laughs) (laughs) The next story is uh, Microsoft requires teachers version of Minecraft which will launch as Minecraft Education Edition. So essentially, yeah, essentially a bunch of teachers, uh, I think, what was it, a second grade teacher? It was, oh man, I'm completely (laughs) blanking. So essentially they took Minecraft, they like modded it because the game is pretty open on PC, and they just created a version that was specifically catered to their classroom where they would teach them how to, you know, how to cooperate together, how to do, how physics worked, how I'll teach them all these different kinds of things within the game. And I thought that, I think that's, that's pretty neat that games are being used like that. There, I can't think off the top of my head, but there are other games that people are using uh, for educational purposes as well. So, and so it's, that's actually fascinating. Yeah. Um, I think the closest thing we got to that was, a. Uh, uh, we all played a bit of Oregon Trail at school. <laughs> or Mario teaches typing. I played that. Or yeah, or Mario typing or like fucking math blaster if like your teachers hated you. But it's kinda interesting to think that that um you think about curriculum, you normally think, Okay, there's lots of books. There's textbooks and then there's maybe I don't know, maybe you read like of mice and men. Yeah. Maybe if you're lucky the great Gatsby or if you're unlucky a separate piece. Uh, but it's kind of kind of fun to think in the future. It's like okay, part of the curriculum is, uh, well, obviously Minecraft, and maybe like oh, uh, yeah, next we're gonna play Tomb Raider. It's part, that's part of your homework. <laughs> well, yeah. um, 
I can see I don't I can see actually Tomb Raider or maybe something like Mario or Tetris or any of those type of games maybe being used in a college that's focused more on game development to kind of teach game designers what worked and what didn't work. But I can definitely see, considering the way how Minecraft is set up, how it would be the perfect tool to use with a a set of students to kind of get them all to mm-hmm. cooperate and work together to solve some sort of particular task or to show them how a ar- piece of architecture can look or how it works or stuff like that. So I find that really, mm-hmm. really great that's happening. Um, and it says it's used, it's being used by more than 5,000 educators in over 40 countries. So that's a lot. So this thing's been doing yeah. quite well. So that's it's pretty impressive. Okay. Uh, so the next story. What about me? Go for it. Dang. The cold is ice. Go for it. Minecraft is a tool that can cut through the light. Uh, that's the first uh, line from, uh, from the Spider-Man video game. <laughs> but no, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. I, I think I've heard of people actually doing this before. Um, but Minecraft is so it's like open ended and at least it, it used to be. I think it's uh, sort of open source ish. Mm. People can you know set it up to to do a lot of different things. But uh, yeah, I had something else to say about that, but I can't remember. Something about how it's being used. Something about education. Mm. I don't remember, though. Mm. I mean, just just think about it for a second. Like, imagine you're taking economics, and then they send you home to play a specific sim game. Mm. You got to reach a certain point utilizing the principles you talked about in class. Like, that'd be be tight. Actually, I do remember what I was going to say. It's... it is very it's super open ended and you can you can just modify it to do so many different things. Um when I was at GDC a few years ago, uh you, you could probably look it up somewhere. Um uh Jason Rohrer won the uh like the indie game dev challenge. And he created this thing called Chain World where you would pass this Minecraft world uh, around on a on a jump drive and it created like a script. Um, when so when you would die, the idea was it would save the world, but you would have to not play it anymore, and then you'd give the jump drive to someone else. And so uh, it it's kind of this allegory uh, to teach about you know death and the passage of time. It was a, it was a long thing, but you should people should look up Chain World, Jason Rohrer. Mm. That's just that's just an example of of the kind of you know wildly different experiences you can make you can change Minecraft to be rather than whatever you know the base experience. Yeah, Jason's games, uh, I would say, just play a lot of them in general. His, his games are great, and I love all the different areas he he explores. So. Um, just kind of aside, yeah. If, if you can play out, plays other games too. They're really good. Yeah. Passage. Passage. That's it. Passage. I like that game. I love that game. It's kind of depressing yeah. a little bit, but it it 
what it's yeah. trying to talk about. Jeb Cables, what did you think of Passage? I'm pretty sure I recommended that to you guys on the old show. Do, 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 do. Opening. You ever had anyone shit in your mouth before, Joe? (laughs) Go ahead, next article. (laughs) All right. Damn it. Tropes versus... (laughs) He just was out of nowhere. Ah, Speaking of asses. Yes. Well Uh, done, sir. Yeah. Which, you know, by the way, Strategic Butt Covering is the name of Wolf Fight's new album. Mm. Are you serious? No. <laughs> oh, God damn it, Joe. You're ruining it all. Uh, wolffight.bandcamp.com. Yeah. Nice. We'll listen to it. <laughs> yeah. Tropes versus Booty and Gaming. Uh, Anita Sarkeesian. Did I say that right? I did say that yes. right. Yes. All right. Um, her season two of her, her popular web series, Tropes versus Women, is um she just came out with her I guess her first episode of that season where it is strategic butt coverings where she's talking yeah actually Mike could, did you get a chance to read this article at all yeah I actually okay. saw it before yeah. you, before you put it in there yeah uh, I watched the video uh it's, the video is all about ass <laughs> but, uh, yeah it's funny she she posted and she was like oh we're trying something new like a new formula and I watched it and it seems like the same exact formula but. Uh, that's neither here nor there. But yeah, she just—it was kind of a simple video. She just made the point that, like, yeah, um, lots of women in gaming, um, their asses are accentuated, like almost always. And uh, but so the part that I didn't really think about was that male asses are almost always like not in- accentuated at all. She did make the digression. With the one exception is like MGS. She mentioned. But uh, snake but it, butt. yeah, snake butt. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. She showed all these examples of uh, of dudes that have either like backpacks over their ass or like a cloak or a trench coat. They just they just don't show off the dude's asses. No, and, I, and that was basically the whole video. Did you get a chance to watch it, Lionel? I read the transcript, and yeah, not much to say other than I can both. Google the butt and still see the character as relatable in a person because I'm 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 that high level. You uh, definitely check out check out uh, the rest of her web series too. She does have some really great videos on there, and she has some very interesting conversations that she talks yeah. about. But that's the that's the point. The men's butts are very far less Googleable. Well, then let, let's put the call out to game designers out there. Let's see some more of that man booty. Not necessarily the answer. And also a little less of the woman booty. I think that was put, more of what she put some, wanted. Put some clothes well, on. Well, let's let's like establish that maybe men and women are looking for different stuff in regards to this. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, you know, balance. Let's just see some more people as a whole. Yeah. More diversity. Can I get a Mexican in the lead role, please? <laughs> that would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> Other than Rico Rodriguez, I love him. He's not even Mexican, I don't think. I think we talked about this before. And I, I, I one came to mind, Carla Valenti from Indigo Prophecy. Yeah, but that's it, though. That's not. <laughs> that's the problem. I, I mean, it's. Uh, we, well, I mean, there's, there's a, there's a twofold thing that needs to happen here. I mean, obviously, we need to see more of these characters, but mm. we also have got to chill out a bit about like. 
getting on people for screwing it up. It might not be as huge an instance here as maybe other medias, but like I don't want people to be worried about, okay, I want to make this black character, but what if the black people get mad? Oh, God. And yeah. then they just don't do it. I saw like an article about Star Wars where someone was... And as far as representation goes in, in the new Star Wars, everyone's been like extremely pleased, but you're never going to be able to please everyone. And mm. I saw some article where it was, I just kind of shrugged it off. They were kind of saying, oh, they did this and didn't do this with this black character. And I was just like, well, it's very, it's hard to go into without spoiling. So I don't think Jump Cables has seen it yet. No, I have not. Spoil nothing. They do some really interesting things with 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 Finn, uh, and as a, he's a very interesting black male protagonist. But yeah, you, so someone's always gonna you know find the opposite of what even you know a character that's represented pretty well. There, there's always gonna be someone out there that's been like, well, they could have done the opposite of that, and it would have been good. But then, you know, it's a cycle. But Mm. internet's full I mean, of opinions i'm not even just talking about like success i mean like because not all of these are going to work out just to st- statistically speaking there are going to be some failures maybe even some colossal failures yeah. and it, I, I don't want people to be too afraid of that to try in yeah. regards to everything yeah it's interesting there's a do you guys see anything about uh, what Naughty Dog's doing with Uncharted 4? No. Not yet. So, uh, they have... It wasn't too big of news, but they have a... It, what seems like a pretty strongly... Like a strong uh, a black female character. She's, I think she's supposed to be South African. Um, she's being played by a white actress. Hmm. Uh, mm. it's, it's interesting uh, and Neil Druckmann was, was interviewed about it by uh, Craig Miller and he was like you know it came down to like we auditioned all of these these actresses and you know our like, what we wanted from the character evolved and we decided that she was going to be this um, but you know this actress was amazing and he, and you know we have this technology that allows us to to do this and so I don't know he's just he's really smart and upfront about it like like we know people are gonna call us out on this but but at the same time like it, if this is how we get the best performance then that's how we're gonna do it that really that doesn't bother me at I'm all okay with it. I'm totally I'm completely fine with yeah. that I, I I can't remember which company it was if it was Pinterest or Twitter, but people were kind of just losing their minds because that right now there's a the big issue, big hot topic right now in the tech industry is diversity and one of uh, and how all these companies are just like ninety percent just white males and so what the what a lot of the companies have been doing is they've been trying to hire people that are specifically set up just to make the company more diverse and to help kind of hire more people of you know different races and stuff like that and people were just losing their mind when the this when like the director of diversity for twitter or Pinterest, i can't remember which company it was <laughs> were hired and they were white yeah it's a white guy yeah yeah and, and twitter oh, yeah, Jesus. It's twitter that's what it was and it's just Ugh. it's just like guys come on it, it I, okay he's not 
the fact that he's white, I, I understand why you guys are losing your mind, but it it's all about how good of a job he does. It's not about if he's yeah. white, black, whatever. We are not going <laughs> to solve this problem overnight. <laughs> but the yeah, but it's just like it's just a snake that eats itself with that yeah. one. It's just like like we're trying to solve this problem, <laughs> but and we're going to start having a direct example of the problem. <laughs> But but the thing that's weird about it, too, is that everyone was going crazy about it. But this guy had some, you know, he has a lot of experience with this sort of stuff. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. And he was like the perfect hire, just kind of like with the, you know, you're saying with the, the voice actor. So yeah. it's just it, it's, it's true. It's uh, <laughs> it's just it's weird growing up, like sort of seeing the rise of the Internet, but like having studied myself uh you know, a lot of multicultural history, especially in America, and seeing kind of other people's opinions and ideas about how everything should come together and how the internet is, you know, it forms different collectives with different opinions about all of these things. But it's just, it's strange. Yeah. I, I lost my train of thought. I can't remember where I was going with that, but... It's, it's a complex topic. It's just... Oh. Yeah, it's it's a complex problem that you know will require complex solutions. I mean, yeah, making it a point to hire people from you know yeah. just do diversity hires and stuff like that is not the answer, but it is maybe the first step. Yeah, I mean, really, and it's and the other thing is people. Um, it's good that people are voicing their opinions and making them themselves known, but. It's also kind of you do have to realize that these things do take time because uh, <clears throat> I talked about this um, when I interviewed uh, Dan Shu a while ago for for school. But the the way things are going to change is you know a lot of things have to change in our in politics and and in our economics with how we you know treat. Uh, are minorities, you know, and then in our school systems, you know, do these kids growing up have access to computers? And that access is rising, but, you know, the whole tech industry, the digital age is, is fairly new. So, and now we have kids with more access to, you know, YouTube tutorials than ever. And so it's, mm -hmm. I think you're just going to see it, you know, people of color rising into higher positions of power within the gaming industry over probably a lot more over the next 20 or 30 years. Um, you know, like you said, it doesn't happen overnight, but, you know, and at that point is when, you know, it's going to take a little bit more time where they're going to be like, okay, now, you know, maybe we can write some, we have good writers, you know, who have different experiences. They come from different backgrounds. They can bring in new, fresh, interesting characters, you know, so, mm -hmm. and right now it does kind of feel a lot like people are just screaming at white people to write better, you know, <laughs> people of color when it's like, yeah, do it better, do yeah. it right. <laughs> it's like they, and they can do it, but it's, you know, we're trying to figure out our whole <laughs> equality. <laughs> A long road. Oh, very long road. We're at the um, immensely more tricky part of this journey. Yeah, we're crossing 
into new frontiers. We're getting there. We're finally, the industry's finally growing up. Well, well it's been growing. Never stopped. Elian can stay. Maybe, yes. maybe we're getting into emotional growth. Emotional. The game, the game, the game industry is at. Yeah, it's, it's awkward <laughs> teen years right now. That's what it's at. Yeah, that's crazy. It's you know you can look at it like you look at the film industry. The film industry is still fucking young too. But I mean, the game industry is even younger. Yeah. Mm. Oh man, still so much to learn. What we got next here. Oh, we got Kojima. I like this. We got Kojima and PS4 architect Mark Cerny are traveling the world checking out game tech. And if you look at some of these pictures, they are having fun. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Joe. (laughs) Yeah. 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 All right. (laughs) Another little hidden piece of news. Uh, If you haven't heard yet, kids, Mark Cerny is on Twitter. Yeah. Follow Um, him. Follow him. At Cerny, he's oh. a he's a badass. I like Mark Cerny. He's super, super smart. Yeah, yeah, he's really cool. He was one of the first like faces I ever recognized because I remember he was on a OPM demo disc where they went to Naughty Dog, and he he mm-hmm. was he was working there. I'm not sure if he was working there, if he was contracted through Sony or something, but uh, yeah, that dude's a G. He's been around forever, and you yeah. know designed the ps4 and i just hang out with kojima he speaks japanese too oh uh, man he's the full yeah. package yeah it's ex- exciting news yep. to see that kojima-san is you know he's you know sony's got him they're you know and he's shopping around to see what kind of new tech he's going to use and it's also a, a reassurance that you know, his next game, whatever it is, it's going to be that big budget triple A Kojima experience that you're used to. Um, and hopefully, yeah. uh, it's, I think Sony will let him finish his game too, so that'd be cool. It's, it's funny thinking about this because this really does feel kind of like that good friend of yours, you know, is like finally like getting back out in the field after the worst breakup ever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> he's out there partying hard. There's a you see that picture of him? They're all drinking beers and shit. Yeah, he's enjoying it. Um, I hope he at least experiments a little bit with VR and does something. Maybe not like a full, like a full game, just focus on VR, but just something kind of to maybe supplement whatever big thing he's doing. That would be cool. VR missions in VR. <laughs> he just needs to get on. He needs to break off and start his own smellovision <laughs> thing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that always stuck with me that he mentioned that. He was like, oh, in an ideal you know, situation, gamers would be able to smell my games. Oh, man. Just imagine everything you could smell in Metal Gear. Gunpowder. Yeah. Smell, smell that DARPA chief's dead corpse. <laughs> or if you can smell, smell Johnny from a mile away. Yeah. Smell caca. Smell fat man. Yeah. You follow yeah. Rat Patrol by following that Johnny scent. You know, he does use that's weird. He does talk about fucking smell a lot in his games. Oh, I'm thinking about it. <laughs> you can, if you, you know. It's wearing perfume. Yeah. And Sniper Wolf's handkerchief and like the dogs pee on your cardboard box in MGS1 and the other dogs won't attack because they can smell it. And Fat Man's perfume. 
clearly yeah. it's important to him. He loves smelling things. I wonder what it would be like to walk around with Kojima's on. Yeah. Probably like walking your dog. <laughs> he just stops and starts sniffing shit. Yeah. Sniff ass. <laughs> he's learning, Lionel. He's he's doing it to Start learn. Sniffing some lady. It's, it's called it's called R and D. Yes, Lionel sound. It's called R and D. This sniffs like some woman. He's such a dirty old man. Uh, <laughs> uh, this next game I have not heard of at all. Omicron, the Nomad Soul. Uh, Mike. Can you please explain? I've not heard of this. Game. Really? It's a new or old game? Please play my movie. Yeah, exactly. This was, uh, I, I want to say, maybe it was Quantic Dreams' uh, first game. Oh. That there then, now. Huh. Uh, but mm. I, I don't know how he would have gotten the budget to get David Bowie in it. Hmm. But David Bowie's in it. And David Bowie's on the cover. And you can go to a club and you can see David Bowie sing. Huh. And, uh, yeah, so I guess Square Enix has the rights now, and uh, they're just giving it away for free. Sweet. Uh, in honor of David Bowie's memory. It's actually a... I played quite a bit of it on Dreamcast. I never beat it, but it was cool. It had, like, full voiceovers, and it was, like, a big open world, and um, a lot of it felt like cobbled together and like kind of hard to navigate but it was like a really cool world to to visit um, the premise is that um, and it kind of ties into gameplay um, is that when you die you can really reincarnate but you come back to life in someone else's body mm. so it, it's called Omicron the Nomad Soul and it's free so I might as well check that out why not? yeah why not yeah, good old Bowie. We go way back. No, you don't. No, we no, we, we really don't. Uh, now, uh, when are we going to get free copies of Labyrinth? Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, that was Is that it, was Bowie playing my kind of villain. He's just <laughs> like, yeah, I'm totally going to take this baby. Why? It's a really good baby. <laughs> Look at my cod piece. <laughs> um, yeah, it's here's some here's some Muppets. As soon as he died, I was like, oh, <laughs> every little indie theater in the Bay is going to be showing Labyrinth now. Yeah. It's, yeah. Good. it's a good movie. Good Rest in peace, Mr. Stardust. Yeah. Indeed. Loved his eyes. Pretty. Okay. Last article of the night. The Division live action series gets its first trailer. I have not got a chance to see the trailer yet. Have you guys watched it's it? Two minutes long, Joe. I, I it know. looks like shit. Oh, it's okay. I didn't oh. look at it either. Well, that's not yeah. good. I mean, it, it it looks like you know they didn't color correct her. It just looks kind of cheap. Mm. So well, that's a shame. I don't know. Maybe it'll be good. I think it's going to be like a four part little mini series, but um, I don't know. If I hear it's actually good, maybe I'll check it out. But, um, but actually, there's a couple little tidbits of division news mm. that, that happened. Uh, I guess they um, they're going into beta in a few weeks. So yeah, I, I saw another article that was talking about the create a character or the customization options. 
So, yeah. Hmm. Well, let's see. Good old division. Yeah, I, I feel like the game uh, kind of announced it and then it kind of disappeared. Well, do you think it's just because it didn't show well, you think? Or because I haven't been paying too much attention to it. No, it showed extremely well. Okay. Like, their release date was probably just so far out that, you know, they're releasing stuff a little bit at a time. But it's probably, um, it must be getting close. It's, uh, I don't know if it's supposed to come out this year. I don't know what the release date is, but if they're going to do a beta in the next couple of weeks, then. Well, hopefully we'll, the live series will pan out and <laughs> be decent. I mean, the Halo, the Halo uh, live action series that, came out that was actually really good i, Did they I enjoyed do that. that it was a series yeah it was on um oh god what's that i think it's on netflix is it on netflix i didn't, I don't, I didn't i'm pretty see it on sure there. i got it on the list is halo something of fault something of dawn i am totally blanking on the name but um it was actually really 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 good i enjoyed it a lot it was had don a couple Cheeto? episodes don Cheadle. <laughs> no forward of don Cheadle. <laughs> i watched that yeah. Um, yeah, but but anyway, definitely check that out. That that was a fantastic, fantastic uh, series, live action series based on a video game. Well, not based on it. What? Anyway, just Don Cheadle can do anything. He really can. Cheadle. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, well, that's it for the stories for tonight. Uh, on to the topic. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. No, I was saying it to the listeners. Yeah. I keep ruining shit tonight. What the? F- okay, you're fine, Joe. The topic of the of the night, yes, of the night, is we're gonna keep it loose on this one. Pretty much just any game you were obsessed about. Let's just let's leave it at that. Let's go. Let's go with that. So, uh, Lionel, let's do you first. What game were you obsessed um, with? Eh, there's probably a few. I think the first one I can remember obsessing over. Um, I think I'll be safe and say Gunstar Heroes just when I first discovered that and just how batshit crazy fun it was. Hmm. But I didn't own the game. It was a game a friend of my own, friend, eh, mine owned. So I'd constantly be bugging. He's like, hey man, let's play it. Let's play it. All right, come on, let's do it. Okay, here, we'll play this first and then we'll play that. And I think maybe that's why I didn't get invited over as much is because I was more interested in the game than hanging out. <laughs> but, you know, eventually I um, found my own means of playing it. I beat it, and then I started beating it with different weapon combinations and then started playing it at higher difficulties and then started creating challenge runs, themed runs, uh all kinds of stuff. It's affected the way I play games since. Hmm. Um, you know, there's some other games like well, Treasure as a whole. I love their games. So when I found out Sin and Punishment Two was in the works, I was just chomping at the bit for any and all information I can get on get of it up until its release. Ugh. I could probably go on and on, but uh, yeah. Those are good games. Obsession I mean, is nothing new to me. Treasure will do that to you. I mean, those mm-hmm. games are incredibly addictive, so I do not blame you, sir. Uh, how about you, Mike? Let's see. When I think back many moons ago, the first game 
of my younger days that I obsessed over. Uh, like really obsessed over. I think that first one might have been like Mortal Kombat 3 mm. on the Genesis. I was just like, I had to beat it with everybody, see all the endings, you know, learn all the combos and shit. I could never get the fatalities down. Uh, they didn't make sense to me. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I was, I, I rented that game enough times to probably buy like several copies. Uh, <laughs> like I, I would just make my mom rent it for me and then she finally got it for me one Christmas. I was obsessed with that game. Um, yeah. That's the first one. And then, let's see. Um, what else was I going to say? Um, actually, uh, by this point, it's no secret that I'm a gigantic Metal Gear fan. <laughs> I was I was obsessed with that whole series, but it's funny. I was actually obsessed with it before I even had a chance to. Before I even owned Metal Gear Solid, so that was my intro, like the demo at like a fucking church youth group or something. <laughs> and then I I would like clamor for you know any any magazine that had information about it I was just like I remember I had a uh, an expert gamer with a whole strategy guide uh, on how to beat the game and it didn't have any spoilers and it was really they had maps and so by the time I got the game I like I knew what to do <laughs> like everywhere I was that obsessed like it started before I even owned the game. Um, wow! Yeah, and then and then after that, like you know, I hunted down a, a NES copy of of the first Metal Gear and Snake's Revenge, and then I found out you know that wasn't the real shit. And then MBS Two came out, and I would you know I would obsess about you know all the trailers and all the information, and then, and then. Somewhere around that time, I, I got to play Metal Gear 1 and 2, the MSX versions. Uh, but yeah, it just, and that kind of faded. Um, sort of around, like, after 3, like, I don't think I had a PSP for a while. So Peace Walker, I waited a while on, and then after Peace Walker, like, 4 was just fucking ridiculous kind of bad um and then yeah i was really excited for five and disappointed and, and now it's all over mm. it's all over <laughs> what's my life now <laughs> I don't know. Mm. but um yeah and the, i guess the other ones would be like when i first got a ps3 i i was uh I only had a little bit of money, so I knew the two games I had to get would had to make me laugh. And those two games that I got were Oblivion and Skate, <laughs> and and I probably put like two hundred hours into each of those games. I was obsessed with those. Like I did everything in Oblivion, um, except for like one quest because I I went to jail and killed an important character in a prison fight. So <laughs> wow. Yeah. Mm. So I've always kind of wondered, Mike, what is it about the Metal Gear games that appeals to you the most? Is it the gameplay, the story, the characters? Which is all of it, or what is the thing that actually hooks you in? 
Well, I remember first seeing it, you know, and everyone who saw it at the beginning, uh, everyone was like, oh, it's like a movie, like Metal Gear Solid, and I love movies. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I mean, just the, the opening moments of, of that game, even in the demo, it's like, you know, they're calling him on the radio, he's calling Cam on the radio, and it's like, there's a snake out of there, and, and the voice acting is just like mind-blowing for the time like to even hear like voices coming out of a video game at that time was still pretty novel and to hear them like acted and directed well and to have like such atmosphere and you know it's the first game i ever played where you're you start playing and then the credits are, are rolling on the screen it's the first game i ever remember doing that as you're playing and then you know you go up to the elevator and the title card is there. It's just like, I talked about it before, but it's like, it's the first modern video game. It was, it kind of was the first game to like really nail down and perfect that, um, which is now some people think feels kind of derivative, but kind of the natural storytelling of gaming these days is, you know, uh, you set up a story with a cutscene, gameplay, intermittent intermittent cutscenes throughout gameplay and that's kind of MGS was the first one to like knock it out of the park and feel like a Hollywood movie you know yeah um, mm-hmm. and also you know just the, the things that Kojima-san talks about uh, he's a really subversive writer um, and he's a very talented director um, and he's fucking weird and I, all that stuff speaks to me so yeah. It just seems like the overall experience. Uh, yeah. Were, yeah, they are really good with the presentation, though. That that also that that got me as well with Sons of Liberty. When I first saw just the opening of that, my my jaw was dropped. It was, it blew my mind how amazing that was. So yeah, I can see. It blew your dick off. Chill. I remembered. One. <laughs> it's still trying to find it. What was that, Lionel? So I remembered one, and I think you guys might remember this too. Which is, it's maybe got an air of tragedy to it because I was obsessing over a game I never really attained till long after uh, it was relevant even to me, which was uh, No More Heroes. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you owned that game before you had access to a Wii. I remember that, yeah. <laughs> I reserved it, yeah. You wanted it bad. It was just there looking at like the instruction manual and the disc itself and be like, okay, one day I'll have a Wii. One day I'll have a Wii. And then all the money I saved up for it, I was like halfway there and it gets eaten up by like bills. <laughs> Powerful need to eat, all that shit. <laughs> and, uh, you know, <laughs> I was watching every cutscene for it because, um, I, latched on to uh, Suda51, the creator of both that game and another game I played prior called Killer7. Killer7 was just like... I think I'd always uh, held to the idea of games being art, but this was like the first game I played where I just looked at it and thought, this, this, this is art right here. I will, I will fight anyone who says otherwise. This is just the most amazing, mind-blowing thing I've ever experienced. And so... I'm looking towards his next project. You know, this is back when the first trailers were coming out. It was just called Heroes. 
had these really weird voices and I was just looking for every single bit of information I could find on that. And I'd watch the trailers that came out for it over and over yeah. and over again. Yeah. Remember back in the day, we'd have to, before the internet, you just have to collect magazines if you're obsessed with something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, then when you had internet, it was 56K. You, you download, had to download videos. Yeah, in your little fucking folder on your desktop with, you know, this is my Metal Gear folder. I yeah, have a like, big fo- folder. Compilation trailer for three that came out that was like twenty minutes long. Yeah, God, downloaded off Kaza. <laughs> mm-hmm. I uh, remember those days. Fucking two forty p. I can still hear the dial up. Yeah, man, I still <laughs> have my. I still, I still have a box of Metal Gear shit. I got like a Calorie Mate and like some other. But I have the demo disc with that. That had a trailer for Sons of Liberty on a PS1 disc. So, for mine, I would say uh, the game that I played, it went beyond obsession. It went more to addiction. Uh, so, the game I'm talking about is Ragnarok Online. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> I remember this. I remember this. Joe, 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 let me tell the story. Let me tell the story. At one point, I don't know how deep exactly Joe was into it. It was pretty deep. I was actually having a hard time getting a hold of him. <laughs> Not only that, but he was IMing me under like a different name made solely to <laughs> avoid something. I didn't know what. <laughs> I just knew that RO was getting crazy and like Joe was like fading. I'm not sure if he was trying to run from it or spend more time in it. But he was trying to avoid something. And then I get an IM one day from a name I don't know, never seen. And he's just asking, hey, what's going on? Starts off a friendly conversation. And then out of nowhere, it is. So can you tell me where Joe is? Who are you? I'm blah, blah, blah. Okay, who's blah, blah, blah? I'm in, I can't remember if he was like part of a guild or what, but he just really, really needed to see Joe. <laughs> the first thing I thought after that conversation ended was, how the fuck does he know I know Joe? How the fuck does he even know me? And what is Joe hiding from right now? The game was just pretty much just your typical just anime-looking, just JRPG-looking MMO. But there was just something about it that I, that I found incredibly addictive. Maybe it was because it gave me the opportunity to kind of just encounter people that I did not know, but kind of give off this character that seemed more superior than they were because my level was such high, so higher. And, and what I, what, what I would do is I would go to the lowest level area with my high level character and just let monsters attack me. And as I sat there, so that way I could attract other people who were new to the game and just be, let them be in like, and wow. And how amazing I was. So I, I think that was one of the reasons why I did it, but Whatever it was, it got really bad because dark, scary things started happening. First of all, I started, I almost didn't pass high school because of it. Like, just, I completely just disregarded anything else outside that room. I actually started to lose weight. I uh, stopped eating completely almost. I just, I would do it night and day, nothing but Ragnarok online. 
And I would just, and the whole thing with Lionel, you were saying other, you know, I would have another email and stuff because I was trying to block out everyone else so I could just talk with people that I felt were relevant at that time, which was not my friends. I felt like the other people within that world were more important. So important that I actually was the ring bearer of a virtual wedding within that game between two other characters. Whoa! That is... Joe, Joe, can I tell the other half of that story? The guy that Chick married was supposed to be Joe, but he lost to PvP. This is true. That that actually is a true story. I did, I did lose her because I lost the match against the other guy. I didn't have enough... I was all crit, and I wasn't enough uh, defense, so he just... He kept doing like these attacks and stealthing. Well, he actually and, hit yeah. you. Yeah, so I you, lost her. Yeah, and I was there. I was the ring bearer for their wedding. <laughs> and ring bearer. Yeah, and then to think, and things got even worse. This is when I knew I had to finally stop. Was when I created an alt, and this alt was a mage, and I essentially, <laughs> this is what gets really weird. I, the alt was a female uh, mage, and I started to whore myself out for money in that world so i would stand in the middle of the town and just basically almost do like weird well these days kids would call it sexting cybering cybering whatever you want to call it i would basically do that in public and then people would like and people would like throw money and stuff or just give me money whatever and so i just at that point i was like taking a look at my life and i was like joe this is bad man this is really bad really losing it so you were loose because i remember you i am to be one day on your alt account and tried to convince me you were a woman yeah so that uh so that i would say was far beyond obsession that was addiction so i had to stop playing that game or it would have literally ruined my life so that is the game i remember so clearly that uh with everything that happened and there's some other things that happened that I can't remember entirely but I just know it wasn't it wasn't it was pretty it was a low for Joe this is like that intervention show yeah no, I, I got I got about like dark past of the addict except yeah everything is digital in your case no it is possible to get addicted to a game and <laughs> I was one of them so is RO still around yeah uh, yeah it is it's still there I think uh, it's free back. it's free to play now but um, but yeah, that's <laughs> that's you my go game. Back, Joe. Uh, it's weird. I tried to go back a few years ago, and it just there the appeal wasn't there anymore. It could be because I just didn't have I had more uh, I don't know patience with it, but I don't have that anymore or the time. So. Well, there was also the fact that like me and Ed kind of got him into it at the start, and then Joe kind of became a monster. <laughs> so yeah, that's. That's my dark past with RO. That is a game that I shall never return to. And with that type of that level of obsession, thank God, because it really yeah. did almost ruin my life. Could have had more stories, but I don't think I can top that one. It's pretty, it's pretty <laughs> yeah. yeah, nothing can top that one. That's amazing. Oh, that was such a weird time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. That was when we first met. And I would always be like, where's Joe? Sometimes you'd be in the garage shaking your leg and playing in DS or something. But uh, uh, my favorite instance of, of my favorite instance of where's Joe is when he was like uh, really into Boktai. 
And I'd be like, Where, where's Joe? We were all like watching a movie or playing something, and then I'd go out around the front, look at the front door, and there's Joe angrily holding this game up into the sun as he like turns his head away from the from the light. Oh, so one more quick thing to add about that, about RO2. Another reason why I remember uh, stepping away from it, because I would actually, for periods of time, actually get the shakes, too, if I was not playing it. Ow. That's that's when I knew <laughs> things, things were bad. What so, the, yeah. the shakes? Like, I, yeah. what was shaking? Well, when I say shakes, I mean I would feel physically uncomfortable if I was mm. not playing the game. So, yeah, games are powerful. <laughs> They will, they will, uh, yeah, it was bad, man. Um, (laughs) they're dangerous, but yeah, cool. That was, well, RO wasn't cool. (laughs) Won't be doing that again. It was okay. Well, it was okay for you. For me, it was a problem. <laughs> yes. Jalopies, killing jalopies. That's all I remember. They're collecting jalopies. You killed the horns and they dropped. Can we go back to the whoring thing? Were you just the public whore? <laughs> or, or like an exhibitionist? Or did anybody like be like, hey, I'll give you something extra if you, you know, we go into go around the block here and go into private chat? Or that actually got close to that. Ooh. It got close. Uh, I, I don't even want to think about that stuff again. It's a bit weird. So let's just say it got close. Let's 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 stop. This. <laughs> it got dark. Interesting. They went places. I wish they hadn't. Uh, <sighs> but yeah, <laughs> addiction. Alright, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's enough of that. All right, so let's uh, start doing some recommendations. <laughs> Mike, do you have any recommendations? Game recommendations? Really? Come back to me. All right. Lionel, you? Okay, so obviously um, previous episodes I talked about playing um, Chroma Squad and No E2 Love 2. Um, I finally got around to something I purchased during that winter sale but couldn't really play on the kind of bad internet which was the uh, tell, Telltale uh, Game of Thrones series hmm. I got it because um, I, you know, I pretty caught up on Game of Thrones and I really like the Walking Dead games they did and um, let me start by saying the games are good, they're very good very well done, if you uh, happen to enjoy Game of Thrones, you like those any of the other Telltale games are, are interested in that format. It's really good, and you know you don't have to be like game savvy to really enjoy those. However, I forgot that all things Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones related, are just riddled with the kind of Houdini Houdini gut punches that will just make you want to quit shit because. The first chapter of that game alone broke my heart. And by the end of it, I wasn't sure how I felt. I was sad and angry, mm. and I wanted somebody to pay for it. That's Game of Thrones for you. You wanted revengeance. Yes, I really did. John that game Snow. is an emotional roller coaster ride. And unfortunately, 
due to like what you're trying to do in game in the game, it'll occasionally like turn you against likable characters. Like there's at least two characters who I encountered in that game that I really liked in the show that I now hate. That's not good. So. Uh, you know, some characters I hated before that I hate even more. Um, while I'm on a soapbox for a minute, I kind of, it made me long for the internet, I guess, I guess old man cables grew up with where like, if you were angry about something, you could like type it into a search engine and find like fan <laughs> art, all the weird shit devoted to that hate. Cause like <laughs> I put in the name of a character who is just the most unabashed monster in all of that show guy called Ramsey snow. And like, I was just looking for like a picture of him getting like stabbed in the head. It was just, just some kind of internet me making fun of him. And all I saw, like the moment I saw the results, I just had to utilize all the spoiler Kung Fu I had because all it was was like, okay, when's he going to die? And that's not really what I wanted. So, you know, I put it to anyone who happens to be listening to this. If you find, you know, something relevant to my interest, which is bad stuff happening to Ramsey Snow that isn't like spoilers, just like, I don't know, maybe some fan art of an axe in the head or, uh, or maybe some rule details fanfic of him getting his feet pulled off by horses or something. Hook or me some up. Rule 43. Uh, I don't know about that. Like, even if he deserves it, I don't know if I need to see him get raped by something. Well, doesn't that be raped? Could be consensual. They call it Slash Jumper Kills. No, I don't want to see that guy have happy sex. He's a monster. Well, so with the with those games, is it a side story within the world of Game of Thrones, or is it the Game of Thrones one of the seasons? Uh, it looks like they tried to make it canon, but I haven't heard mention of the characters in that series. Um, Within the actual series proper, because I think this takes place between seasons, between seasons four and five, I want to say. So it may be three and four. I'm not a hundred percent. It's been a while, but um, I could I could see the gaps and where this takes place. Like it takes place between a lot of like really key stuff. I want to okay three and four. I want to say starts at the. End of three and plays through up until maybe like the middle four. Uh, I kind of wish it wasn't, you know, put in there to be canon because I didn't see, I don't remember anything regarding the Forrester house, which is the family you play as in that game. You know, if I'd actually see something indicating that, uh, it'd be nice. But if that's not going to happen, I'd really rather these games be non-canon and you have a lot more freedom to do stuff. Like, for example, kill, you know, story-specific characters who had plot armor in that game. Mm. But even that aside, something I really liked about it is that the, the sense of the feeling of, like, the bonds of family is really on display in that game. And I found that really enjoyable, even if they only created it to break my heart is the midget in there oh yeah yeah and he's a badass is he doing his own awesome. voice yeah oh yeah they got all the voices in there for ah, him. interesting yeah he's he is great in that show i, I like him a lot he's one of my favorite characters uh the best name character show. yeah 
Okay, Mike, do you need some more time, or are you ready to go? Pick a genre. I'll give you a recommendation. <laughs> Stealth. Uh, you were going to say Scotland, weren't you? Scot- <laughs> Scotland's not a... Yes, Scotland. <laughs> I heard well, I heard C. I'll run with the first. Hmm. Let's see. Well, I was actually thinking about that. I, I A couple months ago, I didn't touch it in a while, I picked up a copy of that old... Uh, Tenchu, Stealth Ooh, Assassins. Nice. It's a fantastic game. And I'm sure you could actually find this on the PS Store if you wanted to. But, uh, I mean, the controls are the controls are kind of rough. And the draw distance is kind of rough. <laughs> and uh, the whole thing is just kind of rough. But uh, this is the first game that, you know, you ninja and slash people's throats and it looks cool and, like, Sneak around and shit. Being a, a a noble ninja for a feudal lord, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I think it's a, it's a decent looking game actually. But I love PS One graphics. <laughs> How's the music? I can't remember the, what the, the music is. is actually fantastic. Awesome in that, in that game. It's like amazing. Like I was uh, playing it on my uh, surround sound and. Uh, my roommate walked by. I was like, "Is that from that game?" I was like, "Yeah, it's from fucking PS One era." Like, PS One era was when sound became because you know it was on a CD. Mm. Like, sound was just like bam, it's good. And that game sounds great. All the clanging of swords and the ropes and the voice acting is pretty funny, but the music's really good. Nice. It's a classic. It's always yeah. good to go back and play the classics. A PS1 classic. Definitely. Yep. Mm. Uh, do you have any more for us? That's that's a good one. Another you can classic. always play Tenchu 3 and hear some hilarious voice acting. Uh, yes. That's I am true. dying. I am dying. <laughs> I don't know, Joe. Pick another genre. All right. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Let me pick. Let me pick. Let me pick. Let me go for sure. it. Strategy. Strategy. You want to play the demo for Civ Revolution on PS3? It's uh, Civ 5. Simple. Well, I'm going based on what I know. Or the demo for Tom Clancy's End War. Mm. (laughs) I I don't remember anything about it. I don't really play too many... I feel like there's a strategy game that I've played recently, but I, I, I don't know. Oh, I know. Joe. Hmm. I, I remember <laughs> a game I really should have mentioned on that um, episode zero we did when you talked about games we should revive. Hmm. Advance Wars. Yes, I would do anything. Well, okay, I'm not going to... You're aggressive, (laughs) Joe. (laughs) How many cocks would you suck to get another Advance Wars on your iPhone? Uh, Please make another Advance Wars. God, yes. I mean, you're making fire emblems. Give us us an Advance Wars, for fuck's sake. Put it on the phone. We'll we'll play it. Well, that's the thing. Nintendo... They didn't make the game directly. They intelligence, what's it called? Yeah, but don't they also don't they also do Fire Emblem? Uh, yeah, they do. Excuse me, they do Fire Emblem, but 
I mean, you can take that Fire Emblem money and make like a game. <laughs> it doesn't even need to be big. You can right. really, you could even re-release like Days of Ruin or uh, Dual Strike on the phone and just let us play online against people and that would be enough. Well, I mean, they're diving into mobile now, but no, they haven't really talked too much about their strategy. I mean, they are going to be bringing their different franchises onto it, but they're not saying in what kind of form. So, who knows? Can we have to wait and see? Yeah, you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> yeah, all you people at Advance Wars Studios, Joe will come over there and suck Mr. Advance Wars's balls if you make another Advance Wars. Okay, Mike, do you have any other recommendations? Oh. What was the other genre? Oh, it's strategy. Mm. Uh, well, let me recommend a classic, a favorite of mine. Mm-hmm. It's sort of in the in-between zone. Brothers in Arms. Mm. Any of them. They're all fun. Yes. They're good. And I really I want the new one to come out. Uh, even though I think the writing's gone downhill. I think the last one kind of got a little corny. Um, just with some weird stylistic choices that I don't think needed to have it but I, I want them to see it I want it you know next gen they gotta go to Bastogne see the snow but you know people are always sick of World War 2 games but I don't know man they're, they're fun they're the gameplay is really unique it's been a while since we've seen a World War 2 game <laughs> maybe it's there, time for them to come back they're more frequently released on the PC. They've mm. kind of gone like the Euro Truck Simulator route, where it's like that's where the niche is. You can get it on Steam if you want it, but like Activision and EA aren't going to be pushing World War II games anytime soon again. Yeah. yeah but like now they're kind of creating the same problem where I'm tired of these modern shooters. So. I guess my recommendation would be uh, a game that I've been playing on the 3DS. It's a, about two or three years old. I don't know the exact number. It's not. It's not too old. It, but it's a really nice classic side-scrolling. Excuse me, not side-scrolling, but classic 2D RPG, JRPG called uh, Radiant Historia, and it's a fantastic mm-hmm. game. Especially, it's made by Atlas, and especially, and if you haven't, if you played a game like Chrono Trigger. It deals a lot with time travel, but what's really awesome about this game is that it's all about trying to save the world, yada yada, but what's the unique mechanic is that there's two separate timelines, and you kind of progress through each of these separate timelines, and different events take place that kind of cross over between them, and so if you affect one thing, it, it affects something else, and it's I find it it was it was really fun. There's lots of side quests and stuff. That you can kind of get different weapons and learn more about the story, but um, but yeah, if you like time games that deal a lot with time traveling, any like RPGs, especially like Chrono Trigger, then I, I would definitely recommend it. But you do need to have a 3DS in order to play it, so keep that in mind. But um, yeah, that's just <clears throat> I say it's game definitely worth checking out, especially if you're a fan of Atlas. Yeah, see that good stuff. It is. It's. I've, I've been playing it for like the past, like month or so. Um, it's. I'm. It's. I'm at like sixty hours now. It's a really long game too, so it's. Yeah. It's. It's. It's one of those classic, deeply in, engaging uh, JRPGs. 
Um, yep. Deeply engaging, says nice. Joseph Bichette yeah. of NAGP Resurrections. That's a box quote right there. I'm straight. Yeah. Alrighty, I guess that's enough for the recommendations. On to the final part of the show. We do our final. Thoughts. Is it enough for the recommendation? Oh, I think it is. There's, oh. there's so much there. All right, you're the FA. Yeah. Yeah. Bounce. Yeah. All right. Final thoughts. My Miles? Miles. No, no. Lionel. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. Jump a cables. <laughs> so like many, I didn't get enough of that in high school. <laughs> so many names. Uh Lionel. Any final thoughts? Uh final thoughts. Um people are remaking stuff and that's cool. You know, by all means have a lot of fun with that. Um somebody wanna hook me up with an Advance Wars remake? would be great um apparently uh some parties think there's too much focus on the booty and i i can't say i necessarily disagree or agree (laughs) it was the portrayal of the booty i say let's let's have more and maybe spread it out a bit yeah but that's just me. Uh, Spread cheeks. Yeah. Oh. L.A. face with the Oakland booty. Mm. Makes you wonder about an Oakland face with an L.A. booty, though, now, doesn't it? That's all bad. <laughs> uh, I think that's all I got. <laughs> all right, Mike. Uh, I forgot what I was going to say but I was going to say something uh, y'all ever seen a, that movie Time Cop <laughs> that's the one where he does the splits over a washing machine right yeah you know why he does the splits uh, I think you told me there's like electrified water in front of him or something <laughs> Yeah, he's like fighting a guy, and then I think something electric hits the water, and he does the splits, and then he. That's all you saw in that trailer. Electric water. Just him hitting splits over a washing machine. That's with a mullet. Okay, we get it, Jean Claude. That's your thing, but we're actually getting a little tired of it. The splits. Yeah. What else did he do? The splits in every movie he's ever done. He didn't do uh, the Street Fighter. Uh, oh, yeah, he didn't do it there, but he did do this crazy, like, split spin kick, which is basically like doing the splits in midair and kicking a guy at the same did time. Did he do the splits in Expendables? Hmm. The kick is literally a spin kick where you do the splits in midair and hit a guy yeah. in the face. Well, anyway, folks, takeaway from this episode is go home and learn the splits. My final thoughts are with the splits. It hurts at first, but if you do it enough, it starts to feel good. Like anal sex? Yes, Lionel. Like anal sex. That is exactly... I like that you took it there. Thank you. (sighs) So much butt talk today. All right. Uh, Thanks for listening to the show. And on Hey Listen Radio, we have a bunch of other awesome shows where we talk about anime and the 90s. And Lionel actually does the anime show. So, Lionel, could you... Tell people where they can find more information about it. 
right. The old Taku Connection. And you can find that in a number of places. The website, com, The SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash radio. Uh, I believe we have a Facebook page. There is a Twitter devoted to it, Jumper Cables at Old Taku Connect, because apparently there weren't enough uh, characters for connection. And, uh, and Mike does the show. That's all about the 90s. Can you tell them where they can find that? You can find Hyper 90s Zeitgeist Breakdown up my ass <laughs> the last Thursday of every month on, uh, you know, well, the same shit Jumper Cables just said. Uh, we're on SoundCloud, and uh, yeah, do that. You can follow me on the twatters. I'll be I'm twatting over at Hyper Nineties. The word Nineties. It's spelled out. Get <laughs> pumped, because this, because this, uh, this, this, uh, this month we're gonna be talking about a little film called Hackers gonna be good oh yeah baby yeah, yeah. and uh, for this particular podcast NAGP Resurrection you can find it on Twitter at NAGP Returns and uh, that's it guys we are done we will be back next week to talk about more video game stuff and other <laughs> really random things yes <laughs> yes it's all about the booty apparently all right That's it.
Circles and eyeballs, circles are pretty. What? A tasty, wonderful. <laughs> yeah. All right. That was from a movie you never saw. Oh, okay. All right, let me put one more pillow down, and then. I'll <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a little, it's starting to hurt more. Okay. Take care of them roids. <laughs> Never lasted in the Catholic Church, Joe. Ugh. <laughs> we spent more time on our knees than hookers. Well, maybe you, sir. Maybe you. <laughs>